Don Rahul Jimenez. How amateur is that? Like, you don't even see that down in the park. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. I am supporting every team that plays break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice. <laughs> <laughs>
um, football on a Saturday at three o'clock. You either went to the match, which you used to do, used to go and watch Liverpool. Um, but when they were playing away and I was a kid, um, you, you would just watch the football on the telly. And yeah, I remember watching the likes of Bayern and Dortmund and Gladbach, of course, and Kaiserslautern in the day, although they're a little bit further down the league system now. And, and yeah, it was one way of watching football. And it was around, I'm a bit of a geek as well. So it was around about the time when the kits were, were pretty phenomenal. The um, three stripes across uh, the shoulders the three stripes up from the midriff. And it, it was just a bit cool. They used a tango ball as well for a bit. It, it was, it was just a real cool thing to watch. And, that's how I got interested in it, and and it's always stuck with me. But reporting on it, um, I sort of fell into really. Went over, um, watched a couple of games. Somehow got in contact with Borussia Dortmund, who invited me back over. Um, watched a couple of games with them, um, and then next thing I know, I'm, I'm being asked to write about it. And then, you know, it follows on, follows on, follows on, and and now like five years later, I'm, I'm working with the DFL on their world radio feed. So yeah, it's been a bit of a, a journey now, and it's sometimes a bit of a strange one. I love hearing stories of this year, obviously, as we chatted before we come on the podcast and again, anybody that listens to this or knows me knows I have aspirations to sort of follow like Chris and, and do something like that full time. So to hear that, you know, that story is unreal. Like, but you're, you're following the league and, and I love the league and I know the lads are on this podcast with us, uh, Johnny, Brenton and Paddy. We'll watch the Bundesliga and we like it. But can you tell the rest of the people what what is so great about it and what what draws, what draws will draw other people to it? Mine would be the fans. Obviously, we can't have them at the minute. But it would be the fans and the fan bases. But what is so special about the Bundesliga and, and where would you rate it? And you can be biased because you're allowed to be biased in a podcast. You say whatever you want. Where would you rate it in terms of Europe's big leagues? Well, I mean, I'm, with my corporate hat on, I should say, you know, football how it's meant to be. That's that's the tagline, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, what would how would people get into it? I think you're quite right. The fans, the atmosphere is um, something else. I mean, I grew up, first started going to football in the mid to late 80s and the 90s. And, and obviously it's a little bit different now in the Premier League, but the Bundesliga has just still got this value of community so that the clubs are still very much owned by the community and by the members. There's a 50 plus one rule, which means that the members have um, overall majority control and members are made up of the fans. So the, the, the link between the local community and the club is still strong. The tickets are so cheap, um, which means that the demographic is a bit more split. So there's uh, younger people as well as older people, and that leads to more enthused support. I think it's probably okay for me to say that. It's not sterile yep. as the Premier League. Um, and you go to these games and it's just noise for 90 minutes. Uh, if you watch on TV, it's good to watch. But the minute you step into a ground, um, it, it's, a, it's a world of difference. And, and I'm not just on about Bayern. You know, if I'm going to be really biased um, to certain clubs, you know, Bayern are a fantastic club, but their atmosphere isn't the best. You go somewhere like Union Berlin, small ground, unbelievable atmosphere. Same at Werder Bremen, um, same at Frankfurt as well. Um, Schalke, when they're doing well, terrific atmosphere. Borussia Dortmund, of course, Europe's largest standing terrace. 86,000 people in a um, Westfalenstadion or Signal Iduna Park, as it's known by its um, sponsorship name. But yeah, it, it's the whole package. So you can 
you know, you can still drink at games. Um, some people like drinking, some people don't like drinking, but it is part of that match day atmosphere. Get a breakfast and a pint of beer, which comes in a, in a little plastic glass. You can stand behind a goal and cheer and shout and people get there really early and it's a proper day out um, and it's infectious. And then the football that's played in front of you is to a good standard. Um, where would I rank it? I'd rank it on an, on an equal standing. Um, I mean, I think the Premier League is the hardest league in the world um, because of, of the talent that's there. And I think the clubs are, are so well balanced with money these days. But outside of that, I'd, I'd put the, the Bundesliga up there. I think it's probably a a better league, I'd say, than Spain overall. You take out Real Madrid, um, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. And the league is of a standard. Uh, take out Bayern from the Bundesliga and, and it's the most competitive league in the world. It's just yeah. unfortunate that there's one massive giant in there. Um, but, I mean, I am biased. I'd have it as behind the Premier League. I'd have it as the, the the best league in Europe. I wouldn't want to say the best in the world because I know there's a lot of people who follow South American football who would probably <laughs> want to hang me for saying that. And I've never <laughs> been to South America and their atmosphere is phenomenal as well. So I wouldn't want to say it's the best in the world. But I'd say, you know, behind the Premier League, it's the second best league in Europe. I think I would, I would 100% agree with you there. I think... Um, as football wise, it's it's just behind the Premier League, but atmosphere wise, and I and I have been the Bundesliga game. It's on my list. It's on my list to take my my little son Finn when he's when he's big enough to cross Europe, even cross if I can cross continents and and see all different games of football and let him experience all these. But atmosphere wise, it's I it looks like as a, for a fan, it looks that a, that a better spectacle than what we get in the Premier League. Um, I'm not just talking about the football. I'm talking about, as you just said, the day out looks unreal. Uh, and you mentioned Union Berlin, and, and there's been so much talk about them since they've come up. And, and obviously, Bruce Dortmund, who played each other at the weekend, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it just looks as a whole as like a, a really a brilliant, brilliant weekend. Do you know what I mean? To go and experience it. Like, so I, I'm looking forward to going and doing that. Go on ahead, sorry. Yeah, Union Berlin's a real good example. So, believe it or not, when we're in normal circumstances, um, you get off the plane at um, at the airport and um, it's full of Brits. There's, there's people come over from Scotland. There's people come over from Wales and England. Um, I've never seen anyone from Ireland or Northern Ireland, but I'm pretty sure it happens. Um, mm-hmm. They come from all over, you know, from all over the country to go and watch uh, German football because of that. You know, you're on about you want to take your lad. I've taken my son with me before. You know, I don't take him now because I I go into press box accredited. But before that, you you go in. We went to Mainz. Uh, My ticket was £11. His ticket was 6 to stand behind a goal. Um, And that those tickets get you free transport on a public transport system in the local area. So you can hop a tram or you can hop a train or like a local train. Uh, You can't like obviously get a an equivalent of a cross-country train with it but you know yeah. if you're four or five mile away from the ground you've got free transport there and back on your match ticket um it, yeah it's just an overall better example and there's a lot of people um certainly from the uk that i know of travel or did travel over um be- because of that because of the 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 appeal of being able to just go and watch football how you want to you know there's no it's not as corporate. I mean, you can you can get a corporate ticket if you want, but there's no need to because everything you can ever want for, you know, twenty euros on a full day out for you and your partner um, is is all catered for. I worked it out once. 
that um, where I, I now have lived out of Liverpool for a long time, um, nearly 20 years. But if I want to travel back to Liverpool to watch the match, I'm looking at around about £80 um, there and back for petrol, probably. I've got to park my car if I don't want to stay at my dad's. If I do that, I've got to get a train or a taxi um, to the ground. I then got to eat, which isn't cheap. Yeah. Um, it was it's cheaper. It was cheaper for me to fly to um, Luton to Berlin return and uh, get tickets for her to Berlin than it was to go to a Premier League match and that you know flying from the UK. So that tells you how cheap it was. Hopefully it'll stay that way whenever, you know, if, if we ever get to go back to Europe at some point, you know, hopefully it's just as cheap. It cost me ten pounds to get into an Irish league game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so. I, and you 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 and your lad are going to Mainz for seventeen pounds. And I'm spe- and this is no disrespect to Irish League, and I, and I obviously work on that, and I love it, and I think I think everyone should watch it because it is it is mad, and um, just there's just there's just a lovely romance about the Irish League. But you you I'm spending ten pounds to go watch a game, and sometimes some of these players I went to school with, and you're you're spending seventeen pounds to go see Mainz play with you, so it just. You've just, that, that just sums everything up about why people are starting to follow the Bundesliga and they're starting to sort of fall for it because of this because there does seem to be more of an aspect of we'll look after you as a fan you know, you'll be looked after and I know everything's not perfect I'm not saying it sounds right but there does seem to be a more case of we will look after you we both know Chris has been Liverpool fans and we do have very good owners but there's times where we've wanted to fight our owners because they don't seem to be getting it whereas it just seems to be Germany seems to be a maybe I'm wrong here, but there seems to be a whole collective of no, we'll look after each other as a community here, and and the football is for you. It's not just for us to make money. Am overall, I right in saying that, or am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, that that's about right. I mean, there are some controversial owners by Munich themselves come under a lot of criticism from from their own fans for their links to Qatar and and human rights abuses, etc. Mm-hmm. Then um, Hoffenheim aren't well liked because of Dietmar Hopp. Um, because they yep. think that he sort of circumvented um, 50 plus one. He sort of banked rolled them. Then, of course, there's Leipzig, um, which is a major bone of contention inside of Germany and outside of it. They're, they're set up, taking over a, um, a, a team in the lower tiers and basically moving them out of Markenstadt into Leipzig and rebranding as, as Red Bull. And then they obviously couldn't use the name Red Bull, so they went with as close as they could get to RB, which is Rassen Ball Sport, which stands for Lawn Ball Club. Um, shortened to RB Leipzig so they're not well liked um, and then you've got some of the other teams um, Wolfsburg uh, Wolfsburg uh, are owned and backed by um, Volkswagen but you know they're not doing as well as they could do by Leverkusen are a workers team set up by the people who worked at the biopharmaceutical plant in like the early 1900s um, but they're a, a well backed team um, so yeah the, there are some controversies but on the whole yeah you're quite right it's very community based um and the, the ties to local people you know there's, there's a lot of talk in premier league about should you support your local side and, and all that sort of rubbish but in germany people do tend to support their local club because it's so amenable and so hospitable to them yeah and look i would love i would love liverpool to be my local club do, do you know what i mean by that i i, w- I would love them to be and, and certain people will maybe say I support my local Irish League club but I just don't have the passion for them you know I just don't have that love for them so I, I totally get that and I totally get why people would say that about fans from over here fans maybe from other parts of England or whatever or, or Scotland or Wales who want to support a team in England from different areas I get it like but 
yeah. Um, the the German experience is something I'm going to have to experience very soon when when, when we beat COVID. Um, to look forward and chat a bit more about this season, then we've, we've talked briefly at the top of the show how we look the top of the league looks like it's shaping up, and I just mean Bayern Munich. It looks like they're probably going to take control now. I think we know what's going on, but on Bayern Munich, um, this week, is there an issue with Leroy Sané? I'm going to say no. Um, obviously, there is, because if people don't know, he was brought on as a substitute in the game against Bayer Leverkusen. Kingsley Coman got injured, so he's brought on. Um, and then about an hour later, maybe less than that, he was taken off. It's always a bit strange when you substitute a substitute. But um, Hansi Flick, their coach, was you know very open about it. He said that um, he'd, he'd had to bring on Sane because of the injury to Coman. Um, but later on, there needed to be a tactical change up front. And and the, the players he could bring off were Thomas Muller, Serge Gnabry, or Leroy Sane. And Thomas Muller is intrinsically critical to the way Bayern play, so he's never going to bring him off. Um, and Serge Gnabry had settled better to the game, was playing on a higher level. So unfortunately for Leroy Sane, he had to bring him off. Um, and, and that's pretty much what Hansi Flick said about it. Uh, Sane himself spoke and said, you know, he's just coming back from an injury. And I think people forget... You know the injury he had to his knee it was a real bad injury, mm. and and it will take time yeah. to get to get back. I mean, he hasn't got the the pressure of moving to a new country, etc. Because you know he, he's German, he went to Manchester <laughs> City from Schalke, so he's going home in essence. But he still needs that time to adjust a little bit and to get over the injury. And I think he was just unfortunate victim of circumstance there because he has played particularly well when he's come on in in bursts, but. He's not maybe as settled as, as well as people had thought. And, you know, he's in a really competitive side where the attackers in front of him are just as good, if not a little better. Um, but he's got youth on his side and he, 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 I don't think they're going to sell him at all. Um, and if it takes a year for him to settle and, and he's in a five-year contract, I don't see that's going to be a problem for him. Yeah. Bayern Munich are always known as doing certainly... Contract and player-wise, they seem to be pretty spot on. And I think even if Sané is a bit annoyed or if there's a little bit of issues with Hansi Flick, they'd be daft to get rid of him so soon. Plus, his talent, when, when he gets going and when he does get flying, that's that's an unbelievable footballer Bayern Munich have with their hands and uh, and it'll be devastating across Europe. So it was just it was just strange, obviously, to see him coming off. And as you know, what football's like, when something like that happens, then all sorts of things are said and rumours are created and, oh, there's an issue here and he wants to go there. But we'll see what happens down the line. But I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Bayern Munich, if there was an issue, would get it stamped out anyway. Now, let's talk about the chasing pack. And we'll, we'll not talk about Dortmund just yet because we'll do a whole podcast on them alone at the minute with what's going on there. But Leverkusen, Leipzig and Wolfsburg... Um, particularly Leverkusen and Leipzig, do you think they're good enough to chase Bayern Munich the whole season? Oh, it's a good question. Um, so Bayer Leverkusen, I think, have got the capability to do it short term. I'm a little unsure long term because of 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 the squad, the playing squad. They got the depth, the quality. Uh, I think to win the league, you've got to have a really good keeper and a top defense and. Uh, Lucas Hedrecki, while he's, um, or oh, sorry, Lucas Hedrecki, while he's a really good guy to talk to, and I've talked to him many times. I've spent an afternoon with him. He's a great guy. Uh, I don't know if he's a keeper that wins you the league, um, and I would probably say that about the defence. Uh, Leipzig have got one of the best young coaches in Europe. Um, they've got a really good squad, um, but as we saw this particular weekend and last season, quite a lot. 
they draw too many games um, and they get into a bit of a rut about drawing games. And before you know it, you've drawn three or four games and you're thinking, well, we haven't lost. Well, I'm a big believer. Sometimes it's better to lose one game and win three than to draw two and win one. Your points <laughs> average is better, even though you've lost a game. I think sometimes draws can give a, a bit of a, an, a confidence that shouldn't be there. But um, I would say Leipzig are probably the primed ones to take the challenge to Bayern. Are there any two points behind at the moment? Um, I think when we come back off this break, uh, they will probably give it a good shot. Um, Bayern have looked quite weak at, at times. Um, so I think out of the chasing pack, Leverkusen could do it. Um, Leipzig certainly have the ability to do it. I, I think it will be between those two at the minute. But it's been a real strange year, real strange season. Um, Leverkusen have always been that side that have almost won something, be it the league or be it the Pokal, be it the Champions League. You know, that season where they had all three trophies disappear from them. Uh, they, way back in the early 2000s, they've always been the nearly club. Um, maybe this you know, year and season of strange seasons could finally be the one for them. There's talk as well at Leipzig about, um, obviously, other teams in Europe potentially taking their players. And, and just uh, we were asked a question by one of our listeners to talk to ask about uh, Konate. There's been plenty of talk about Makano, where he's going to go to. But how good is Konate at Leipzig? Yeah, Leipzig have got a number of exceptionally good players. That's one thing they do is um, is they recruit very well. And Canate is just a, a number of, of players that they've got. The problem they've had in the past is they haven't had a deep squad. Um, and Ralph Ragnick, before he left, um, along with Oliver Minslat, have sort of given Julian Nagelsmann now a um, a player they can... Oh, sorry, they've given him a squad that he can compete with on a couple of fronts. And yeah, Canate is a, a, a really good player, really good defensive player, um, obviously centre-back. And and yeah, him and Upper Meccano together have been very good. He can chip in with goals as well, um, you know, and he hasn't got any assists, but he's normally not, not a bad goal scorer. He's only got one this season so far. I'm pretty sure he'll get a few more, but his ability to read the game is very, is very, very good. Um, and he knows all about the, the Leipzig way they want to play, so the high press win the ball and transition it very quickly to the midfield and or into the channels to the forwards. And I think there's a type of player um, that Leipzig wants and Canate very much fits that, especially with his age, um, early 20s, uh, and, and his ability uh, and the way he likes to play forward very quickly um, fits that Leipzig model quite well. And of course, you know, he's come from a French side that no one will have heard of pretty much um, a couple of years back, and and yeah, that, that also fits the Leipzig model of, of exceptionally good recruiting through France, and um, for France they're very good at a number of players come through the system. Whether it's at, at Leipzig or um, sister club Salzburg, uh, they they find these players in in obscure clubs or in second team, second division um, areas, and they turn them into superstars. And and yeah, this is an, another player I think will end up going that way. I wonder how much of an influence Gerard Houlet had on that. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, well, um, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, he helped set up their whole system, so that their scouting yeah. system um, and everything. So he will have had a, a massive in, input in that, and not just to, to Leipzig as well, to Salzburg and to New York Red Bulls. And, you know, I'll assume 
Um, although I've, I don't know much about it, but he'll have had an influence in in the teams that they've got in Brazil and also on the continent of Africa. So we're talking about the top four, but there's a team like the elephant in the room, the big yellow elephant, uh, Borussia Dortmund, who are sort of languishing just out of the top four. And they obviously they're beat by Union Berlin at the weekend. Actually, Union are having a brilliant season, to be fair to them. Um, but on Dortmund, Chris, what is going on? <laughs> like, they, they have such a, a, a brilliant, young, talented squad, but they just seem to be so inconsistent. Is there any particular reason for this? Is there anything to be pinpointed or what's happened? Yeah, I mean, it's a strange, it's been a strange couple of years for Dortmund and I'm sure the, the hierarchy there, um, Mr. Batska and Mr. Zorka are tearing their hair out because they have built a squad that, that you said is is a good squad and it's a mixture of um, of experience and it's a mixture of youth, um, but they have got some some big names there. Of course, everybody will know Jaden Sancho, but he's a young player. But there's smatterings of experience in there. Lucas Piszczek, uh, Marco Royce, uh, Mats Hummels, of course. Um, and there are some exciting players. And yeah, under their, their, their coach, Lucien Favre, they've recently got rid of. They blew a really big chance on winning two titles. Bayern were quite poor under Niko Kovac. Um, Dortmund let that particular title slip. In, in the last couple of weeks of the season, um, Bayern eventually won it on the last day of the season, but um, it's pretty much sewn up the, the the match day before it would have needed a big a big turnaround in goal difference. Um, but the season after, you know, Bayern started just as poor. Um, Dortmund um, had the chance to to win the league again. Lucien Favre's style didn't suit it. Bayern were able to claw back a nine point deficit once Hansi Flick took over. Uh, and and yeah, it's it's strange. It's um, it's a club that has had very little success since Jurgen Klopp left. and was taken over um, on the coaching duties by Thomas Tuchel, who won the DFB Pokal a, a year after. Um, and then he fell out with a hierarchy. He moved on. They had Peter Bosch come in, who's now at Leverkusen. That was a disaster. They wanted Lucien Favre straight away, couldn't get him. So Peter Stoger came in uh, as a as an interim boss. That didn't go particularly well. And then, um, yeah, Favre's couple of years uh, failed, well, flattered to deceive, really. They, they definitely should have won at least one title in the last couple of years. And once again, they look well off the pace this season as well. I think the best they can hope for probably this season already, I know we're, only, we're not even halfway through traditionally, but we're at the winter break time, is qualification for the Champions League. That They must, they must do that. If they miss out on that, it'll be a, a financial hardship for them especially playing in front of no crowd at the moment um so yeah Dortmund need to get the next appointment of their their permanent head coach they've got an interim head coach um Edin Terzic um who was Lucien Favre's assistant has stepped in until the end of the mm-hmm. season we're told um but their next appointment has to be right because they have got a good squad um you know they've got Torgan Hazard Axel Witzel Julian Brandt Rafael Guerrero Giovanni Reiner uh, Jude Bellingham, Jaden Sancho, Yusuf Makuku is coming through now. Um, they've got some good players in defence as well. Zagadou, Akanji. Uh, they probably could do with a new goalkeeper, if I'm being honest. Um, that's probably one thing that they won't win the title until they get a, a better goalkeeper than Roman Berkey. But they do have the ingredients there. They should be pushing Bayern every year. 
Um, and unfortunately for them, they're not. And I know that will be very disappointing to them. Is Marco Rose the the perfect candidate to take over? Yeah, he's one of two. Um, I think Marco Rosa fits perfectly. Um, he is, um, obviously he's German, but he cut his teeth at, at Salzburg um, in the Austrian Bundesliga, um, mm. as a few other coaches have done, actually. Uh, likes of um, Oliver Glastner is at Wolfsburg at the moment. Um, also came from, from Austria and, and is playing some good football in the, in the German Bundesliga. I think... Borussia Dortmund need a character, so everyone knows they won the league. They, they basically turned over Bayern when Klopp was there, so not only was he a good coach, but he was this massive character. Since then, that's what they've been lacking. If you ever have the, the privilege of going to the stadium, it's expansive, it's massive. As I said already, it's Europe's largest standing terrace, the South Wall, the Sudtribuna. It needs a guy who can, or a girl, you know, it needs someone who yeah. can push that that whole attitude forward and I think Marco Rosa gets that um, and he would be that fit he would be that perfect balance of tactical ability uh, and also he's got the right attitude Uh, another person for me would be Jesse Marsh who um, American player uh, sorry American coach came over to Leipzig the other season as number two under Ralph Ragnick has been over at um, RB Salzburg I think he'd be a good fit German clubs are still a little bit conservative, especially in that part of the region, North Rhine-Westfalen. They like their coaches to speak German um, semi-fluently and above. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Marsh can speak pretty much fluent German, getting there, or a derivative of it in Austria. Um, but he, you know, he's, he can speak to players, he can speak to the press, he can speak to, to everybody in the club. Um, I think Marco Rosa would just edge it out at the moment. Um, although he's having trouble balancing European and domestic aspirations, which may be of concern to Bruce Dortmund because not only do they want to win the Bundesliga, they want to get to the latter stages of the Champions League every season. You know, they got to the final not that too long ago now. Uh, they want to be in and around that area every year. So they, the next appointment needs to be right. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say Marco Rose is probably um, the top candidate along with... Um, Jesse Marsh, I'd say maybe Ralph Hassenhuttle is an outside yeah. chance um, for all of the reasons you know I've just spoken about uh, the fact that he took Leipzig to second place in his first season um, there uh, or their first season in the Bundesliga um, speaks German of course he's Austrian but speaks German um, and and he, he's a good character and and he plays exciting football so it's out of them three for me. I, I would have I would have said Hasselhutten would have been if it was me it would be the one I'd go for with, with all the characteristics you obviously highlighted there and like if you just talk to Sampton fan or look how Sampton fans have fallen in love with him and that is he just he get he gives those vibes off that he could take over a club like Klopp did like Klopp has done that Liverpool and it'd be an interesting one and you're so right they do need to get it to get it right this time and there's no I'm not trying to disparage Lucien Favre and what he did. Like he's brought through a, a brilliant squad. Like whoever takes over is getting handed a very good squad with brilliant young players coming through. Um, so they're going to have a good canvas to work with. Like so, it'd be really interesting. And I think that obviously you said the Bundesliga could do with um someone else winning it. And if it's if it's not going to be Bayern Munich, everyone would probably think it's going to be Dortmund. Although Leipzig will have something to say about that and Bayer Leverkusen this season. But just 
on another sort of well, they're they're a massive club in terms of how well known they are, and, and obviously even if you look at their stadiums, absolutely humongous. Hertha Berlin, Chris, they seem to be uh, to follow them must be a bit of a nightmare at the minute because they're they're so up and down. Can you pinpoint or what what has been going on with them this season? Oh yeah, I mean they're uh, they're a, I mean they're a very strange club, um, worthy of a <laughs> of, of a case study. Strange in a good way, not in a bad way. A very yeah, nice, yeah. very hospitable people. Um, yeah, you're quite right. Obviously, they play in the Olympia Stadium, which is uh, around seventy five thousand capacity. Um, it's far too big for them. So even even if they half fill it, which isn't bad. Uh, you know, near on eighty. Uh, sorry, near on forty thousand fans in there. It looks it looks half empty. I, I don't think that helps them. Um, their yeah. their premium investor Lars Vindhorst has come in, injected a lot of money into the club. Um, they do want to build a new stadium on that Olympia Stadium complex. It's a massive complex. Um, there's a hockey team there. Uh, there's a swimming pool there, of course. There's the Olympia Stadium itself. Uh, it's a big complex, so they could build another stadium there, and the academy's there as well. So it's a massive complex in Berlin. It, it could accommodate a, a 35, 40,000 um, stadium. I won't say seater because they have standing areas, but it could uh, it could accommodate a stadium that could have 40,000 people in it. And I think that would be absolutely perfect for them. It'd be a cauldron, and that's exactly what they need. But yeah, the, I say they're a strange club because um, Berlin's a capital city, and you look around the world and capital cities tend to have decent clubs in them. Um, and, and Hertha have always flattered to deceive a bit. Um, you know, they have won a couple of German titles way back when um, they've also won um, second division titles, but it is, if they can get it right, they could be, you know, a world beater because of the, the infrastructure in Berlin. The fact that, as I say, yeah. that it's a capital city, um, it's crying out for a team to come and, and, and be a Champions League side. But yeah, Bruno Labbadia is there. Um, he's got his chance at Hertha Berlin. He's always been seen as um, as a guy who can get a club out of a sticky situation. If I said he was a Sam Allardyce, that would do a massive disservice to him um, because <laughs> he knows how to play football in a, in a proper way. But I suppose he's the closest you're going to get in Germany to that. Uh, he, he's good at rescuing teams. He did it at Wolfsburg. Um, they've been in relegation battles for a couple of seasons. He came in, got them out of the relegation battle they were in. Um, they won the, the relegation playoff at the end of the season and he got them to a more respectable position. And he was brought in to Hertha to do the same. And yeah, they've, they've, they've had a massive influx of money, around about 300 million euros um, last January. They were the highest spenders in Europe in a transfer window. So for them to be where they are at the moment isn't particularly good for them. I think they want to be back into the Europa League minimum in the next year. But yeah, big city club. Um, it always goes a bit strange. They had a, a strange year with Jurgen Klinsmann being there very um, quickly for a few weeks. They had Salomon Kalou and his, his Facebook Live problems with the corona test. It's <laughs> been, a, yeah, it's been a strange year for them. Um, they've also got one of the dullest football badges you'll ever see um it's not so, great. so no it's not great so they um they they're a little bit like frankfurt they've got all the financial building blocks to be a massive side if it went right for them but um it, it's not been the right time for them and and as we talk about that now 
you know, they are the second team in the city at the moment. The smaller Union Berlin from the east side of the city, the old DDR, um, are doing a lot better than them. So, yeah, yeah, it must be a bad time if you're a Hertha fan. Yeah, it must be so strange as well. Like Berlin's massive, and I haven't been, but I've, I've seen. Obviously, and I know it look it's humongous, and it's and it's like obviously one of those statement cities. You know, you know what I mean about that in the world. Like, if it's capital city, it's one of those statement cities, and they should have. It's a great, but they should have a team that is in the top four is constantly challenging. It, it, it plus, obviously, whatever's been going wrong, they haven't, and it is a weird one. They're languishing there down at fifteenth, and they don't have a bad squad either. Hertha Berlin. So, I mean, I watched the Union Berlin game. Um, where they, they didn't turn up in the first half, really, and then all of a sudden the game just changed in the second half. And, and I was thinking, how oh, are they they're struggling because this team looks like it couldn't struggle? Do you know what I mean? It looks like it should be where Union are now. But um, before we move on, we've got a couple of listener questions for you, Chris. But before we move on, I just wanted to chat quickly, if that's okay, about the German teams this year in Europe and, and how you see them progressing. Obviously, with Dortmund. Bayern, Leipzig, you play Liverpool and uh Munch and Gladbach obviously still left in it um in the Champions League and then we've Hoffenheim and Leverkusen in the Europa League. But how do you see Leipzig and Liverpool going briefly before we we chat about the rest of the teams and how you think they're going? How do you see that game panning out? And as Liverpool, I look at it and I think Leipzig are gonna see this tie as one they can really go at a big team in Europe and possibly do some damage. I'd say they'll be licking their lips at the prospect of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a massive tie for them. Obviously, they put out Tottenham um, at the same stage last season, um, mm-hmm. round of 16. So uh, they are used to playing English sides now. Um, it's going to be a it's going to be a big battle. On a personal note, for Julian Nagelsmann, he tipped up at Anfield the other year with um, Hoffenheim as a little bit naive, um, went a little bit risky um, before he knew it was three 0 down. Game was over. They were out of that particular competition. Um, so he will want to get one back over that. Leipzig, for all their goodness, can occasionally have a nightmare. I think we all saw how they played at Old Trafford. Um, you know, they kept it tight for a bit and then just fell apart inside of seven or eight minutes when Marcus Rashford came on and, and absolutely destroyed them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think, once again, it's quite hard because Liverpool fan, but I would think over two legs, Liverpool will fancy it. Um, especially if there are um, fans in the stadium. I think Liverpool would, would fancy it. Um, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a real tactical battle. And sometimes Julian Nagelsmann's got it right. Um, and he certainly did that in the second le- Sorry, in the um, second game in the group stages against Manchester United. He got that right, but he got it you know, spectacularly wrong in the game before. And... Um, you know, had that been a double header, Manchester United would have gone through, of course. So um, it is going to be one thing to watch. The problem they've had, and the problem they've got, is when the Champions League comes back, if they're anywhere near the top of the table and they look like they could win the Bundesliga, they'll be in a bit of a catch two twenty. They'll be in a, a bit of a catch twenty two situation because are they going to win the league? Um, potentially, they could. Are they going to win a Champions League? I still think they're a little bit far away from that. So with this season being so condensed, they might be left with a, a choice. I know hierarchies of clubs aren't into that because you know you get a lot of money for winning a Champions League game. For instance, you get €3 million yeah. Euros for when you win a group stage game. 
you only get 900 or you will get 900,000 when you draw it. So winning is always um, advantageous financially. But Leipzig may be one of those sides that gets into position in a new year and has to decide what it wants. Does it want to have a crack at the title or does it want to try and win a Champions League? Because I don't think this season any team in any league is going to do both. I don't think Bayern can win the league and the Champions League. Um, as Liverpool are defending champions in the Premier League, I don't think they can win both. Uh, they'll have to make a decision at one point, purely because of the way the games are coming thick and fast. And I think there's a few clubs and, and who will have to make that choice. Now, whether it's just the title or whether it's getting back into Champions League next year, they're going to have to make that choice. But I think it's going to be a cracking game. Hopefully, I'll be at both those legs, um, <laughs> maybe one at least. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to be at both. Uh, yeah, it, it's a fascinating prospect. And I still think we're probably a little bit too far out to to go into it in detail. I think a lot can happen yeah. in the next few months. Um, a lot can happen in the world in the next few months. I mean, I think if where we are now in the United Kingdom, if this is four or five weeks ago, I, I don't know if you wait for this side to kick English and Scottish clubs out of the competition because obviously the, we're locked down now. The borders are going to be locked down for a while. So um, we'll have to wait and see what February brings. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, it is going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, like I was excited when the tie was, was um, announced. I, I just hope hope it gets to go ahead. And obviously, hopefully, you, you get to go cover both games because I do think it'll be a cracking tie. And um, I don't think we can call it just yet, as you as you alluded to there. The the, the draw of the rest teams, Munch and Gladbach, they get to face Pep and Man City. I'm sure Marco Rose will look forward to that. Uh, Bayern Munich are against Lazio, and obviously Sevilla against Dortmund. Do you see? Uh, do you see Bayern obviously having like I know we can't just put that far down the line, but can you see Bayern going really far deep in the tournament again this year? And would you have them as favourites? I mean, yeah, defending champions. Um, I think they are probably one of the best sides in Europe now for balancing, um, you know, domestic and European commitments. Uh, obviously, they're they're going to end this year, or it's going to end this part of the season on top and qualified out of the Champions League group. Um, I think at the minute it's probably between Bayern and Liverpool, who are the best. I don't think you can write off Manchester City, but when they get through to the latter stages of the competition, they seem to have a bit of a mental block. And if they can push through that, they've obviously got the ability to win a Champions League. Um, but yeah, I'd have Bayern up there as, as one of the favourites, most definitely. Um, I still think it'll be hard for them to win both. They've they've been fantastic in the Champions League, um, but they've had a little bit of a wobble in the league, although you know they're still top. Uh, they have been pressed by a lot of teams this year. They were battered on match day two by Hoffenheim. Um, they've been held by Werder Bremen. Um, you know, Stuttgart have played exceptionally well against them. Uh, they have looked vulnerable in the league, uh, but in the Champions League, it's been a little bit different. So I think they're probably best well fitted to try and defend that title. So yeah, I would have them as one of the favourites, most definitely. Can you see Dortmund uh, going further into the competition? Um, not at the minute, no. Um, I think if they got past the round of 16 into the last eight, I think that would be a good achievement for them. Um, I think just based purely on current form, of course, can't see that much into the future, but um, mm -hmm. based purely on current form at the moment, I think they will be facing an uphill battle as it is to qualify for the Champions League next season. So they could be a side 
come February, that could probably do without this distraction. Um, and the same for um, Gladbach, who normally I would say, I'd say it was game over against Manchester City, but they played really well against um, Real Madrid at home, played really well against Inter, uh, obviously battered Shakhtar Donetsk 10-0 over two games. <laughs> so they have got that ability, but they've been slow starters in games, and I think they're playing a team who can come out of the blocks lightning fast, and you know this game could be over in you know, the, the whole fixture, the whole tie could be over inside of 20 minutes if they start as sluggish as they have done recently. We've got, we've got a few... Um... Obviously, sorry, forgot the rugby league there. Like I need um, Bayer Leverkusen and Hoffenheim. It'd be nice to see one of them two possibly go far into the tournament. Uh, Chris, that in Bayer Leverkusen are flying at the minute in the league, so it'd be class to see them go really deep into it and um, potentially do some some damage. Um, we've got a couple of questions on players in the league that maybe aren't yet household names. I just want to get your your obviously opinion on some of them. Not maybe not household names over here in the UK and Ireland, but one of them uh, we got asked by a friend of the show was about uh, Matthias Cunha. I think I pronounced that right. I really hope I have. Uh, the the the, forward, the wide forward at Hertha Berlin. How good is he? And also this is uh, from obviously a Liverpool fan has asked, could he potentially be uh, a like a replacement down the line for someone like Roberto Firmino? Yeah, I get asked that quite a bit. On um, yes, Mateus Cunha. Yeah, I mean he's a really good player. Um, maybe flattered to deceive a bit at Leipzig, but once he moved over to Hertha, he hit the ground running and was playing particularly well. Um, I don't think he's been up to the sort of standards he set himself last season so far. But then this season's a weird season. I think players are, are struggling to to come to terms with being asked to play every 72 hours at times. And Hertha have had a little yeah. bit of a more break because, um, you know, because of, of, of where they are and, and how they're playing at the moment. But the training, the the match days are more compressed. They're playing a lot more games midweek. He's maybe not as, as done as well as he should have done. But, I mean, yeah, he, he's a great player. He's got lots of movement. He reads the game very well. Um, he certainly wants to keep an eye on. Would he make the jump to the Premier League? I'm not 100% sure if he's ready right at this particular moment um, to, to make that jump, to be honest. He's still only young himself, early 20s, but I mean, I think he would give a team in a Premier League and what he offers to Hertha as well. He offers them a little bit of versatility in a forward area, can, um, can play in that attacking midfield area or he can play as, as a classic nine or um, a little bit deeper than that if he wants to. But um, yeah, he's got the ability. He just needs to show it more on a on a consistent basis. He's he's been very good in bursts, um, which of course, you know, if you want to move to one of the top clubs in Europe, you need to be a little bit more consistent than playing well in bursts. Well, is there is there anyone else in the Bundesliga another player coming through? Or what's the first name comes into your mind that people at home should be looking out for this season? Well, I mean, Dortmund have got a couple. Giovanni Reina um, <laughs> yeah. is a great player. Um, you know, a really exciting player. He's got a wicked shot on him. Reads the game very well. Good attacking um, midfielder come forward. Um, Dortmund, of course, have got Yusufa Makuku, 16-year-old. He's like 16 years and 32 days or something. He's really young. He's already broke the record for youngest Bundesliga debut, youngest Champions League debut, youngest scorer in the league. He scored a cracker. Um, against Union Berlin last Friday. Um, yep. Yeah, he, he's a great player. Now, 
I think he'll be drip fed in a little bit. So you might see a little bit of him and you might see not see a little bit of him for a bit, but, you know, as he goes through peaks and troughs like any 16, 17 year old would. Um, Still only a baby, like. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, I mean, there's there's so many, really. There's there's little gems within each particular side, um, and and which what makes the league such a joy to watch. Um, you know, you can n- name any team basically, and and there's a gem that you can watch who can change the game or is a, a top notch defender themselves. But I mean, if they're probably the easiest three or four to look at would, would be at Dortmund. Um, Stuttgart have got some wonderful players as well. Um, so, yeah, there, there's just so many. We were asked about uh, Florian Wirtz. Did I pronounce that right, Chris? Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah, from Bayer yeah. Leverkusen. We are asked about from Bayer Leverkusen. How good is he? Oh, yeah, he's very good. Um, so he um, is... Um, He's getting more well-known now across Europe, but he became a sort of a household name. Uh, where are we now? 2020, aren't we? He became a household name last year. Um, was it the year before? It might be 2000, end of 2019. He scored eight goals in one game for Cologne um, at a youth level. Um, great player. Um, he was described as one of the, the, the most exciting talents that Cologne had seen. Um, for a very long time um, and he got his move to buy Leverkusen they could obviously offer him a different level of football than Cologne could so they were able to tempt him with the possibility of Champions League football and playing in the Bundesliga at a slightly higher level than Cologne and he came into the under 19s um, started playing really well scored a couple of goals and then football broke for the pandemic and then Kai Havertz was going to leave I think everybody knew that um, so you know, Leverkusen are a great side to develop talent. Uh, they knew he was ready. They put him in. Uh, and yeah, now he's he's really turning heads. Uh, yeah, he's a very quick player, reads the game very well, can score, um, can play forward, can play sort of more of a, not defensive midfield, but he can play those midfield areas as well as the attacking areas. Um, yeah, he is, probably don't want to put too much pressure on his shoulders, but <laughs> I think maybe Kai Havertz light at the moment. Um, he's certainly on the same sort of trajectory. Um, yeah, young player himself, of course. He, before Makoko um, took the record the other week, he was the youngest um, player and youngest scorer in the Bundesliga. So for that to be broken twice within a year is, is quite phenomenal, you know, in itself. Um, but yeah, he's real. He's a real player to keep an eye on. Um, Leverkusen are a great side to 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 utilise youth talent, and yeah, he's at one of the best clubs for that at the minute. So definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, it's Brian Wirtz. And before we finish off with, with two more questions, if that's okay, because you know you're giving up your time on a Monday night to talk to me on a podcast out of Ireland, which we're really appreciative of. <laughs> and thank you so much. The other two lads couldn't be on the night because of emer- Christmas emergencies, would you believe? But um, we we had a question in from a listener who wants to know, you've been to so many grounds. What's the best ground for a pint and for food? Oh, that is a that is a fantastic question. So, um, <laughs> oh, I mean, there's so many. Um, best pint um, is um, is a glass of, or a beaker because they're plastic beakers. Get fantastic plastic beakers. Cost you two euros. You just take it to the guy who fills it with with beer, um, and you get one for each club. Uh, they've got you know great logos on them, etc. But Freiburg, um, Rothaus, uh, best German beer you can get. You can. 
you can I think you can get it on Amazon. Um, it can get delivered. Um, yeah, Rothaus, that's Freiburg. So the, I'd say the best beer is at Freiburg, uh, which is in southern Germany. Um, and then best food. Union Berlin have got like this courtyard outside their ground, which is just full of uh, different types of bratwurst, bockwurst, um, the, the rotwurst, the verse with melted cheese in the middle of it. Um, you know, that is a real good place to eat. Um, I'm trying to think anywhere else. I mean, I would say don't Stuttgart's probably the worst. Um, <laughs> just loads of pretzels, unfortunately. Uh, I, I went there to a game in December and they had coffee without any milk and pretzels, and, and that was in a working area. Um, so that wasn't oh. the best. But um, but yeah, fan food. I mean, you will get. I mean, Olympiastadion in Berlin. There's great food outside of that, but Union Berlin does especially good food. Um, I'm trying to just think now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Freiburg's definitely the best for beer. Um, outside, sorry, in the ground. If you go to Cologne, FC Kern, um, Kolsch beer in the city, you can get it at the ground, but there's so many different, so there's little breweries everywhere in Cologne. That I mean, Cologne's a great place for food, full stop. Um, and then Berlin, um, I'm trying to say places to avoid. Wolfsburg is just a, a city because of a Volkswagen. Most people live away from that. Leverkusen um, looks like something created by the guy who wrote the Jetsons, Hanna-Barbera. It's like real, <laughs> there's like UFOs looking everywhere. It's a real strange design. It's a city that's definitely from the 70s or a town from the 70s when it was redesigned. Um, but yeah, I would say the best beer would be Freiburg, Cologne, um, and then probably somewhere like Gladbach as well. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, best food, Union Berlin. And then if you're yes. in Berlin... Get yourself to a donor house. Um, you know, Berlin's got a real large Turkish, um, German Turkish population, and they do some of the best kebabs I've ever had in the world. Okay, must note this down um, when I'm editing this later. Um, the other question, actually, you might have already answered this now by your answers, Chris. If I wanted to uh, leave supporting Liverpool behind tomorrow morning, and I just made the decision, I, myself and Finn, my little baby boy, we're going to support a team in Germany, and we're going to follow him for the rest of our lives. Who is the team you would recommend we get behind? Oh, yeah, another good question. So, I mean, there's a couple of options for you. So, I mean, do you like winning everything um, in sight and winning no. every year? If so, that's Bayern. Um, <laughs> do you like atmosphere as well as football? Um, and being on a bit of a roller coaster, that's probably Borussia Dortmund. Uh, do you want to go to the match and have a good time and be surrounded by great people in a real open city, but occasionally watch crap football? That'd be Cologne. Um, Union Berlin is probably a good mixture of both. Um, I mean, there's so many. Stuttgart is a good side, but they don't do particularly good food. I mean, I'd say if you if you want to cry every week at the minute, go support Schalke. Um, uh, we, yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and there are there are a lot, but I mean, some of the the, the well known clubs, um, you'll find the best atmospheres. But some of the smaller clubs like Mainz. Um, it's a real nice part of Germany. Tickets are exceptionally easy to get hold of um, from, you know, from the official sources. You don't have to go on to Via Gogo or StubHub or anything like that and get ripped off. You, know, you can get onto the 
Um, Mainz website, click the English button, order your tickets in English, pick them up at the ground. Um, Hoffenheim, post them to your house. Um, Augsburg don't play good football at all, but it's in Bavaria, so that's a great place to go for Oktoberfest. Um, yeah, there's, there's just so many. And of course, drop into the second league, and there's even more, you know, I think, depending on how old you are, if you look at the second league, there's some massive size in there Hanover, Hamburg. Um, you know, there's there's a lot. Um, some of the older size from the east are quite cool to go and look at. Leipzig's a beautiful city, by the way. I know a lot of people have a problem with Leipzig because of the, the corporate nature of the club, but the actual city itself uh, is a gem in the old East Europe. Um, but yeah, there's, there's I think there's a, there's a great thread that the Bundesliga might have put on social media where it explained every single club. Um, and, and I think it gave a, an English alternative as well. Um, so, so yeah, but I mean, Cologne and, and Jan Berlin are probably the hipster's choice. Yeah, I was going to say, you said about Union's food, and that will probably drive me and my hungry, mad, hungry food, uh, food mad son, you know, 10 months old, but will literally do anything. It'll probably drive him to Union Berlin as well, then, if it was, there was good food. But uh, thanks so much, Chris, for, for coming on the podcast and chatting t- to myself the night off. It's, it's been a pleasure. Tell the people back home if they want to find your stuff and want to hear your podcast. I know where to get it, but tell them where they can get it. Yeah, so um, you can. We can't hear me anywhere at the minute because the league's on a break. But if you've got Alexa <laughs> on a Sunday night, um, I, I do co-commentary and analysis for the Bundesliga's will radio feed. So you can ask Alexa to play the Bundesliga. Um, I write for different platforms um, or different outlets. Um, um, if I do write anything, you know, I normally push it on Twitter, which is Chris seventy eight Williams, um, and you can have a mixture of football and and looking at my dogs. That's probably as, as exciting as it gets. It's a good mix. Um, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. And folks, if you want to catch the Sports Babble out, just check us out on all your podcast apps at the Sports Babble. Uh, have a great Christmas. You too, Chris. Have a great and safe Christmas. Um, and we'll see you all back in a couple of weeks. And obviously, the Bundesliga will be back in a week or two as well. So make sure you tune in and good luck. <laughs>